Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. The sermon series, um, it's a, it's a, we've been, we just started it last week and if you remember Pastor Michael Pederas was here from the Philippines and he started off the, the sermon series um, for us. And, you know, that was week one. And, you know, I guess just to explain it, uh, the purpose of this series is to learn about the work, uh, the person, the power, and even the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, with the Holy Spirit, and instead of acting and relying on our own flesh, uh, which we probably do a lot of times, um, this sermon series called Make Room, it's about actually stepping aside to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and keep us in sync with Him. And so I said before week one last week that we, we focused on the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't uh, listened to that, jump on the podcast, have a listen, just to, you know, catch yourself up as we move along the series of Michael, uh, Pastor Michael that, that shared that. Week two, which is today, I'm going to be um, focusing on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so I'm going to take you just on a journey, okay? And we're going to stay in the book uh, of Acts, focusing around chapters one and two. And so I won't go through the whole chapters. I'll I'll take it snippet by snippet, read a bit, explain a bit um, as we go through. And as I speak, you know, the verses, you know, will be shown behind me on the PowerPoint. So before I start, let me just set the scene, okay? And I want to start by starting with this verse here, Matthew 28, verses 20. And this is where Jesus, he's telling his disciples, right, his followers, to, to go and make disciples. And then he says, and I will be with you always, okay? Remember that word, always. I will be with you always, even until the end of the age, When you think about it, how blessed you and I are, right? That Jesus will be with me, with you, wherever I go, wherever you go, as we make disciples, whether we make disciples in his name at work, at school, on the bus, at the coffee place. You know, this is what this verse translates for us as we read it today. But we have to think about this for a moment. We have to take in consideration what is actually meant, what this verse actually meant to the disciples in their time. And in, in that moment of, of that period and, and history and in the context that they were actually living in. You know, you see, Jesus wasn't saying these words to the disciples. Um, sorry, he was saying these words to the disciples after he died, after he was on the cross, and even after he rose again. And he after he rose again, he spent the next 40 days with them on earth. So now of all these people Jesus appeared to during these, this 40-day period, do you think that when he said to them, right, I will be with you always, that those words literally meant to them that Jesus would be with them always? I mean, do you think that they really believed that those words were really for real? I mean, he, think about it. They already journeyed with him for the last three years. He, he conquered death like he said he would. 
Um, he multiplied food to feed thousands. They saw him walk on water. You know, he healed the blind and the crippled. And now he's telling them that he'd be with them always. And further into the New Testament scriptures, we read in the book of Acts now. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, this is what it says. Now, after his suffering, remember I already explained Jesus was already risen again, and now he was with them. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them, the disciples, and the many that were followed. At that time, it was believed there were about 120 believers in Christ. And so he, was pre he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I mean, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And as mentioned, Jesus, he rises from the dead, and over the next 40 days, he, he meets with different groups of people, you know, both men and women, groups and crowds of people, teaching them all about the con this concept, this concept about the kingdom of God. Now, understand this, the whole Old Testament talks about a coming Messiah who will, who will reign as a king. Now, this king they that you know, obviously they thought was King Jesus. So King Jesus, he was the one the Old Testament prophecies and scripture had been talking about. He was the one to establish the kingdom that they've all been waiting for. And during all this excitement, seeing Jesus and he's talking with them, he's physically there after being, you know, after being risen. Um, Jesus, he tells them about the kingdom of God. And he drops these next few verses that probably at this time still doesn't make sense to them. And it's these verses taken from 4 and 5. And he gave them this command. This is Jesus. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For in the days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's multiple times, you know, uh, during Jesus' ministry of his three years before he was actually crucified, while he was with the disciples, he mentions about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I don't have the verses up here, but John 7, uh, John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, you know, this is Jesus, and he's saying to the disciples, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up to that time, listen here in verse 39, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. His glorifying, his glor you know, that glorification was his death, the cross, and his resurrection. So up until then, the Spirit had not been given. Another um, one in, in John 14, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give another advocate. Another word for that uh, advocate was, I'll give another helper, or I'll give another counselor to help you and be with you forever. How about this one in John 16? Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, I mean, when you say very truly, I tell you, that means hear me now. I'm serious here. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. This is Jesus telling this, his disciples. Because unless I go away, the helper, the advocate, the counselor, 
will not come to you. But if I go, then, only then, I can send him to you. So there are clues throughout the Gospels, but still they do not understand what the Holy Spirit meant to them. And we see it even more in Acts, you know, Acts 1 verse 6. Then they gathered around Jesus and the disciples, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of Israel. Even during this 40-day period that he spends with them, Jesus is teaching about the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, the counselor, and all they had in their minds was, so when are you going to build this kingdom, the kingdom of Israel? In other words, they were saying in their minds, you know, Jesus, we've been facing so much oppression with the Romans ruling the whole world, and, and man, we're just sick of it. It's time to take them out. Let's do this already, God. And so, Lord, when, you, when are you planning? When are you planning to establish the kingdom for us to conquer once again? Because back then, they just remembered the days of David and Solomon when they used to rule the land. And so they were wanting something like that. This is Jesus' reply. This is what he said. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his, his own authority. In other words, straight up, if this was me, it would be, guys, you know, that kind of information that you're asking about, to be very honest with you, it's above your pay grade. <laughs> but I promise you, God's kingdom, it'll be established, but just not in your time, but when God says it will be. I mean, God, God knows best, so, so just carry on. Carry on with the work and wait. Just wait for that day. But until that time comes, this is what I need you to do. And this is verse 8. And Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me just break this verse down a little. You know, so they will, they're going to receive this power. They will receive power that they don't currently have. They don't have it. And that power is the Holy Spirit. And when that power, the Holy Spirit, comes on them, it will give them a power of what? Of becoming a witness. And this word witness, it means one who testifies even at great cost and at the risk of your life. With this divine power, it will create a cause and an effect moment. As they go out and be witnesses, it will spread to the ends of the earth. But they can only be these kind of witnesses once they receive the power. And that's why Jesus tells them, you will receive power. Back here on this verse, you will receive power. I mean, because you don't have the strength or power to do it on your own anyway. And when the power does come on you, which is the Holy Spirit, you will be 
my witnesses. Witnesses not just on your own street or your neighbor, not just in your community here in South Auckland, but to the ends of the earth. I find the next verse interesting. Next verses, actually. This is, let, me, let me break it down for you. These were his last words, Jesus. And as they watched, he was taken up and he disappeared into a cloud. And they stood there, the disciples, staring into the empty sky. Suddenly two men appeared in white robes and they said, You Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at the empty sky? You know, when you used to do silly things like that back in the day, you know, my dad, I remember, man, just clipped my ears and saying, someone, what are you doing, man? You know? And it was like one of those moments, they're staring, just trying to see Jesus again. Have you ever felt like them at this moment? When they're staring and then they've been told, why do you just stand here? <laughs> why are you looking up at this empty sky? Jesus, he's gone. And for them, reality had finally kicked in. It was time to put on, I call it the big boy pants. They had to put on their big boy pants now because they had serious work to do. It was time to roll up their sleeves and, and get their hands dirty. You know, because in the time of Jesus' ministry, who was doing all the miracles? Not the disciples. It was him. And as they got familiar with Jesus and him doing miracles, they'd say to Jesus, Jesus, these people, they need to eat. We need to feed them. And then he, what does he say? Well, you feed them. Yeah. We can't feed them. They relied on Christ. They relied on God. Now, all of that was gone. And so they're standing there dumbfounded, wondering what to do. But they realized it was time to get our hands dirty. Have you ever felt like, when you're stuck in a rut or, or a difficult situation, a hard time, and, and there is literally, you know, there's nothing you can do to turn that situation or that problem around. And now you are the one that is responsible, right, to turn everything around so you can make it a good outcome. Have you ever been in those kind of situations? Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm currently in one of those situations, in this time of my life, and I'm not needing to go into too much detail, but I'm stuck in a hard place of, of waiting on God to move in this situation that I'm in. There's nothing I can do about it. I have no control to move this problem out of my way. I, I feel I've done everything possible, and now all I can do is wait. And when I think about it and the consequences that may happen, that if God does not show himself strong in my situation, I feel it's going to let down a lot of people. I'm, I'm no sin, trust, okay? It's not, nothing like that. <laughs> but I also know that it's just me. It's an insecurity thing of I'm going to let down people. Yet no one's going to lose anything. No one's going to lose out. But it's that pressure, it's, it's the pressure that's on me, that, that's in me, that, that if it doesn't work, I'm going to feel embarrassed. I'm going to feel embarrassed because, you know, with all of you and my family, and I think I'll be, yeah, I guess I will be, there'll be some time when I'm emotionally upset, 
and down. I don't want to say depressed, but I'll be down about the situation if it doesn't come through. But on the flip side, this is reality for me. This is a big boy pants kind of moment. Now I feel like the disciples, they're staring up into this, to this empty sky expecting for God to come down and, and deal with their situation. And I'm hoping God's going to do the same with me, to deal with my situation at any moment now. That hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it will. So until then, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust in what the Holy Spirit is speaking in me. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait. I'm going to have to fight against my worries. I'm going to have to fight against, you know, just, just feeling down about it. Let me fast track you to what happens next with the disciples, okay? And Jesus has told, you know, the disciples, remember, do not leave Jerusalem. Because this is where they were all living. And so they all go back home back to, you know, in Jerusalem, they go back to the house, and they go back to, to home to wait on the so-called power Jesus was telling them about that was coming. Then it all happens for them, you know, and, and we skip into chapter 2, and this is what we read. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, all the disciples, they were in one house. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of, of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of that, of fire, that came to rest on each of them. And all of them then were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, get this, as the Spirit enabled them to. The power that came on them was finally there, the Holy Spirit. Now, for those who don't know, but at this time in Jerusalem, when they're sitting up in their house, every Jew that lived in different nations from all across the known world at that time, they would actually come to Jerusalem to celebrate, you know, the Passover festival every year there in Jerusalem. And, and it all happened during, you know, Christ's death. In the city, at this time, it was a busy place. Uh, during the Passover, with all these visitors, you know, the population, apparently it went, it was believed to go up to over 1 to 1.5 to almost 2 million people, all in this area, in this city. And all these Jews that lived from all around the world that weren't, current, weren't living in Jerusalem, some of us are like that, we have family here that don't live here in South Auckland, they live overseas, but they're all part of this family, and all these Jews that lived all around the world that were now in Jerusalem for this Passover, for this festival, also they had come with their own culture, with their culture that they lived amongst, and their languages that they understood and spoke, and as they heard right here, then and there, the disciples speaking in other tongues because of the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled them. This is what they saw, and this is what these people heard. Utterly amazed, the people asked, aren't these all Galileans? I mean, how come we're hearing them talk in our native language? And then verse 11, it goes, 
man, they're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. You know, all these people groups, these cultures, all in one space together, hearing these Galileans, as they say. Now, if you were called a Galilean, which they, they you know, call them, a Galilean, it meant that you were this Jew that was an uneducated person, and you were, you know, uh, you just, you were poor. <laughs> you were that kind of Jew, the broke one. <laughs> and so that's why. So they're hearing these Galileans, though, speaking in their own languages, and some of the people, they're amazed at what they're hearing, but there's also some others that are obviously there that are criticizing them and, 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 and saying, oh, these guys are just drunk. <laughs> they're intoxicated with beer or with their wine. But then we read about one of the disciples, right, after this part here, this one disciple, he gets up and he boldly stands and he confronts the whole crowd for, you know, there. I mean, because he's been accused for being drunk. And this guy is known as Peter. One of the main disciples we read about time and time again, who was a follower of Jesus that a lot of times did so many things wrong as a follower of Christ. And for the first time right here, here at this moment, he's a representative of Jesus. Peter, he gets up and he begins to share about Jesus in verse 14. This is what he says. He goes, fellow Jews, meaning those that have all come to visit from all around and those that are the local ones that live in this place. Fellow Jews and all of you in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. We're not drunk, <laughs> as you think we are. You know, and, then, and then throughout the, these next verses, man, he's laying the smack down on them by just fearlessly sharing the story of Jesus. And he says how Jesus, this is what he says. He says, man, Jesus, he's exalted to the right hand of God, and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he's poured out what you now see and hear before you, us, this Holy Spirit. And then he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, this Jesus whom you have all crucified. Ouch. <laughs> you see, Peter was known for being this guy that kept making all the mistakes as a, as a, as a Jesus follower. And he was one of the, the remember, he was, probably if you don't, he was one that denied knowing Jesus when Jesus, he was locked up before getting crucified. You know, people would see Peter on the street at that time while Jesus was locked up and they'd say, hey, uh, aren't you the one of those Jesus freak guys, you know, that, that follow Jesus around claiming that he's a God or the God? And Peter, every time people would ask him that, he'd just keep denying. He'd deny it right to their faces that he wasn't a follower of Christ. He was scared. He was scared he was going to die. <laughs> but now we see him here for the first time ever as a Galilean, a nobody that was uneducated, surrounded by all these different nations, these different cultures, prominent people. Without any fear this time, he shares the gospel of Jesus. And after preaching the gospel of Jesus, all those listening, 
man, they ask Peter what they should do with this information that they've just, that he's just shared. Man, you know, I wish when I preached the word like Peter did at that time, I mean, I wish that people would be so hungry to ask for an answer like they did. <laughs> and, and he tells, you know, he, they, they ask him, man, what do we need to do? You've just shared something about Jesus. What do we do? And this is what he says to them. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. Be baptized and repent in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you do all of that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter and all the other disciples that were present, both men and women, the key to the movement of the kingdom of God, the church, right, is not about having a nice building to meet in or a comfortable seat and the fancy lights to create an atmosphere to set the mood, you know, for our time to worship with song. It's not even about a well-crafted message that it's spoken up here on the pulpit every week. Heck, as, as good as that can be, it is not about the structures and the strategies and the goals of this church. It is the mystery of this Holy Spirit of God doing what the Spirit of God is called to do. And that is by giving the power of wisdom and fearlessness like he did in Peter to become witnesses for Jesus. Now let me share something with you that caught my attention here about the approach that you know Peter encountered when standing up for Jesus. I guess when he shared, many people listened. And at that very moment as he shared, man, he probably wasn't too sure about what was going to happen after this time of boldly speaking out. However, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that came on all those speaking in different tongues, right? And it was also the power of the Holy Spirit that came on Peter. Remember, he's a Galilean, just a simple, uneducated person. To be able to articulate in a way of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus to all these visit, visiting nations at the time. Why? Or for what? I mean, was he doing it to make himself a famous preacher? Did he do it to get a, a lot more Facebook likes? Maybe he knew that this would be his death speech <laughs> because he was, pro, you know, he was promoting Jesus, the one who just was just crucified 40 days before this very moment. Was he trying to cause division amongst all the people present and just try to confuse them with some intelligent words that he learned along the way, hanging out with Jesus for, for those three years? Do you think that he was trying to do it to redeem himself? To redeem himself from all the wrong things that he did while Jesus was on the earth and he was a disciple for him. You know what? For whatever reason Peter had, the power of the Holy Spirit was to make him a bold witness. And the power of the Holy Spirit, it created an environment. Get this an environment to evangelize at that very moment of time. It gave the opportunity for Peter to share the gospel, not knowing what the outcome would be for his life after sharing. But to his surprise, 
these hearts that were listening, they were convicted. And the question was asked for those listening. And as I said before, see, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter, man, what do we do? What shall we do? And what, what, what was his words? Repent, be baptized, repent in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Only then will you receive the Holy Spirit. You know, since this account of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, giving power to the disciples back then in Acts chapter 22, even throughout history today, God has moved in extraordinary ways through the Christian movement. He has poured out His Spirit in so many fresh and new ways. And even if you read um, in Christian history, there have been times where the power of the Holy Spirit has come on people and there's the history books, they, they call those times revivals or awakenings or reformations. You know, one example is this, this preacher here known as William Seymour. And you know, in the early 1900s, he had this ministry where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it brought thousands and thousands of people from all different nations and ages, ages, color, races, together in unity under Christ in his church. And Seymour's ministry was, you know, where this outpouring of the Holy Spirit would come upon people, but as it would fall on people in, his, in the congregation, it was always for him the opportunity of sharing the gospel of Jesus and for the people to repent in his services. And as people would repent, what would happen? More and more people would come and would, be, would come to this ministry time of his church. But more importantly, his focus was to make sure people were walking in a relationship in Jesus. You know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, like I said, it would fall on people right, and during his service times. And, and, and it would be to the point where people would be healed, uh, miracles would happen. But that was never the main focus for William Seymour. The focus was that the Holy Spirit was able to move and pour out on those present. So why? So Seymour would have the opportunity to share the gospel. He wasn't worried about the fame. Because the thing was, they were, there were periods where they'd have services, three services a day, 24-7. And they would just overlap each other. There wasn't a start time like us, 10.30 to 5 p.m. You know, they, they would just overlap. The morning service would go, and as the morning service would finish, the next group would just overlap into the, you know, the afternoon service, and as the afternoon service felt like it was finishing, the evening service would kick in, and then it would just go round and round and round. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit created all that. You know, coming back to Acts 2 and the account of Peter having the opportunity of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus, right? And after telling all those listening to repent in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, let me read to you what happens after, you know, after he tells them to repent. And this is what, he's, this is what happens in verse 41. It says, those who accepted Peter's message, they were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that very day. 
doesn't stop there too. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it continues on after this. And you read throughout the whole of Acts, people are, are added to the church daily, it says. You know, there's another time where, where 5,000 men and women and children came to know Christ. Multitudes were being saved. You know, there was, I mean, it turned from one to someone, to addition to multiplication sort of growth. Religious leaders, they be, began to get converted. You know, Samaritans came to Christ. Um, there was one place when Ethiopian got saved. And entire towns committed their lives to Jesus. I mean, Gentiles became Christians. People that were not Jews. Romans were getting saved. Large multiple of Jews and Greeks, they just accepted the faith. The church had just increased daily. Women were, were starting to follow Jesus and were not ashamed and, and were just out there, you know, just, just worshiping and, and witnessing on his behalf. And the word, it just grew mightily and it just prevailed. There were some numerous miracles that happened during the ministry time of, of these disciples, you know, for, for, you know, for in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. I mean, there were manifestations of other times of speaking in tongues, healing the lame, casting out demons. You know, uh, there was one time a casting out of a demon through Peter's shadow. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Question. Can we still experience the supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit today? The answer is, yes, we can. But you've got to hear this. The Holy Spirit, it's not bound to a certain time period in history or anyone's timing or, or technique for how to receive his outpouring. I mean, yes, we are to trust on his daily presence, his grace. We must be faithful to walk in the obedience of the, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, you know, to choose right from wrong decisions and our thoughts. We should be praying day and night for the outpouring of God's power. The Holy Spirit, it loves and it serves, but he keeps his own hours. He knows what's best for us. It's above our pay grade. But I want you to remember this. When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes in power, and when it comes on his terms and on his time, he doesn't come to show off the things that he can do. People praying in tongues and you can hear different languages. People being able to be healed because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't come to show off those things. He comes for the harvest. And so the challenge for you and I is, is to pray daily for fresh seasons of seeing an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your very life. All for the sake of awakening and empowering you and I, the church, so that we can reach out to the untouched areas of, of your communities, of Auckland, of this nation, of the South Pacific, and to the world by becoming a witness and sharing the gospel of Jesus. I want to conclude with this story of a young guy that went through some dark times in his life. And he actually wrote a book about the addictions that he was facing. 
And within his book, he talks about how he came to know Jesus, right? Let me read this little snippet from his book, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit um, after. And here, this is what he writes. I was in my own apartment. I hadn't worked in about six months. I bought a one-bedroom flat, and I remodeled it. I looked at the internet, and I rented movies. I remember that for those six months, my only conversation was with the Burger King drive through lady. And one night, my friend came and he asked me out to McDonald's. And the mere presence of someone who knew Christ, it was overwhelming. And to hang out with someone who knew the truth was too much for me. Yet God in his grace was giving me a way out. And I sat in my friend's car. I was maybe 24, I had no job, no family. I lost them all through my, the ways that I chose. Then my friend says to me, do you want to give your life to Christ? Now I knew that what this meant. It meant everything. It meant no holding back. Everything would belong to Jesus. And here I was, being given the opportunity to live for Christ. And I took it. I put everything in. There was no work, no me, no votes for Christ, just God deserving everything and simply allowing me in. And so I dove straight in. That's just part of his book that he wrote. Now, I wanted to share the story of this guy because this friend that he was referring to that asked if he wanted to give his life to Jesus, it was me. Now, I'm not sharing this to boast or to show off that I've been mentioned in a book about saving someone's life. I wanted to share this because I want you to hear my perspective of that night. You see, this friend that I had been praying for, I've been praying for, for him for about two years. And before this incident happened in this book that he wrote, and this, on this particular night, right, of, of hanging out at McDonald's, we were having a feed. We were actually sitting in the car having this feed. And I remember we were just talking away eating our burgers, and I, I, but before all of this, within this two-year time, I'd always pray for him. I'd always pray for him. Every time I'd catch up with him, before I'd leave home, I'd just always pray for him. And so this one time, I got to hang out with this old friend, and at the, obviously he wasn't a follower of Christ, and it was over probably about eight months since the last time we, that we got to hang out. So we had a lot of gossip to, to catch up on. Long story short, as we were sitting in the car, right, and we were eating our burgers, and he was just talking away and just random, and, and as he was talking, just randomly the Holy Spirit goes to me. Ask him if he wants to give his life to Jesus. Right then and there, Holy Spirit moment. And I looked up to heaven, I said, oh, heck no. <laughs> Not right now, Lord. 
right here in the car? Are you crazy? I'm a bit hungry. At the, maybe after my burger. <laughs> I had already finished it. And the Holy Spirit just kept pushing me. And then the Holy Spirit kept pushing me in a gentle way. All I could, you know, it's like the background. I could hear him talking, but all you could hear is, because the Holy Spirit was so loud. And that's all the Holy Spirit would say. Ask him if he wants to give his life to Jesus. And as, I, as he was talking, I stopped him and said, hey, bro. And then he just got a shock. And, yeah. And I said, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And he stared at me. We, just a random ask. And then he goes, yes. And God moved. And so I fumbled over my words of trying to lead him through the sinner's prayer. I didn't know. I just made it up. Oh, well, I made sure it was right. It wasn't, you know, we asked Buddha to, you know, it wasn't like that. I made sure it was legit. You know, for me at that time, it was a heavy moment of hearing the Holy Spirit speak so clearly. And I could have easily left and felt it was just a silly thought and carried on with our food and our gossip. But the Holy Spirit was really present. It was present in the car. And there was, this, there was no denying or hiding from Him. Now to me, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit moved in that moment and for me, it was one of those most amazing times of sharing the gospel of Jesus to someone. Because I had no clue how to do it. I was this young student. It wasn't in a beautiful setting with, with worship music and a, and a nice church building like the one that we're sitting in today. There was no build-up to the situation of having an altar call to come to the front and repent. It was just, the, it was just being obedient to the Holy Spirit and stepping out boldly for Jesus. Now you may think, yeah, well that's one person. What effect did that do? Well today, this gentleman, this friend of mine, now lives in a certain part of Asia who runs an underground Christian podcast to listeners from all of Asia, America, and Canada. And so many people follow him because of the things that he shares sold out for God all these years and he's representing them strong. You may be sitting here today attending church for the longest time now, but you've attended without experiencing his outpour, uh, outpouring work in your life. There may be you, I don't know. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your personal life Life, it feels like it's never, you know, it's not about gaining or benefiting from it. The Holy Spirit may use you to, to pray for people and they become healed. The Holy Spirit may speak to you to pray in tongues and without knowing, you could be speaking in another language that someone is hearing just like those people in, in, our, in Acts 2 today. Well, the Holy Spirit could spontane spontaneously ask, ask them if they want to give their life to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let this moment pass by you with what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you at this time of your life. What could the Holy Spirit be asking of you this moment? Are you willing to take the step today 
for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit like never before. Don't get stale and think, I know this Christian walk. Same old, same old. It's not. It's not. When we repent and we ask for the Holy Spirit to come in us, it's never the same. Life is never the same without God. Does it mean it's easy? No. It's challenging? Yes. But it's worth it. It's so worth it. And as he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit, are you prepared to be used? Not to try and heal people or or become a famous preacher or speaker or get all the Christian likes on your Facebook. As he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit, are you prepared to be used as a witness for him? Because if you are, then today you're in the right place. Let's pray.